everyone. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we do this every Sunday. Uh, and we want to do it again. Hallelujah. We just, uh, it's a confession that, to me, it's just it, the devil hates it, and I really believe the Lord loves it. So let's say, if you have your Bible, you can say it. If not, you can just say it anyway. Say, this is my Bible. I believe. It is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah to the glory of the Father. Amen. Whew, I tell you what, I was, uh, had opportunity to uh, pray and fast a little bit uh, yesterday, and the Lord just ministered some strong things to me that I hope will be a blessing to you. I believe they will be. Uh, there's nothing like the presence of God. Amen. And uh, we said this, I think on Wednesday night at a Bible study, but it, it, we want to reiterate it. I tell you what, we all need encouraged. Amen. And uh, we need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another. And just because it's a time where the enemy is at war with us. But we need to see that we have the upper hand. Amen? Sometimes we may not feel like it, might not look like it. We will win. I believe God's ordained us to win every battle. I really do. In Jesus' name. All right. So we're talking about the glory of his image. And as I was just uh, best in praying yesterday, I just felt the Lord saying that God just wants us to see. I know this sounds so simple. Just how close he is to us. Just how intimate our relationship is with him. And, you know, the devil does everything he can to dissuade us. You know, something happens that's not good. Something, you know, uh, man, you know, just kind of uh, shakes you. But you know what? Because of his love, because of how close we are to him, I tell you, the devil cannot win. Amen? And, you know, uh, Kathy and I were talking this morning. She just was meditating on the name Emmanuel, God with us. Well, now it's God in us. Amen? And just, uh, so we're going to look at this and just see what we can enter into. But when you enter in to seeing really who you are in Christ, man, it's all about his love. It's not about seeing who you are so you can be prideful. It's not about seeing who you are so you can just do things to establish an identity. It's about seeing who you are because of how much God loves you. Amen. You know, when God created us, birthed us, you know, according to Genesis 1.26 and Genesis 2.7, he really did have to make a decision. I've shared this before, but it really impacted my life. You know, when he made that decision, he knew that he would make a covenant with us that was unlike anything that had ever taken place before. God did not make a covenant with angels. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14 that when angels fell, he never considered of sending his own his son to die for them. But when he made the decision to give us birth, to, to cause us to enter in to such an intimate relationship with him, even knowing that we would fall, knowing that it would require the blood of his son 
to restore us back unto him? He said, yes. Amen. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes the simple things, I mean, can change your life. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll never forget. Years ago, we had, we were in campus ministry. We had Teen Challenge Choir come up to uh, minister to the college students. There's about, I think, 15, 18 guys. And man, it was at, you know, we had a pretty large house at the time, and all these guys just stayed with us in our house and, and you know, in, in town. And, uh, you know, we went to uh, where I used to teach at Youth Development Center in Newcastle. We went to, uh, Mercer County Prison. We went to Georgetown Republic. And uh, then we went to Mercer County Prison, uh, or State Prison. Half the guys couldn't even get in because of what they had done on their, on their record. I told the guys it's pretty bad when you can't get into jail. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but I'll never forget, we had great times in ministry. And when we're concluding uh, things, on a Wednesday night, we're down to University Union, and so everybody was dismissed. And uh, these guys just began to worship. I've never seen anyone in my life worship like these guys. I mean, it was heartfelt. It was just amazing. And one of my really close friends that we report uh, support in missions, Bernie and, and Kathy Jalot, uh, they're Heads of uh, International Teen Challenge world, worldwide. Just amazing. But, uh, but they really helped lead worship. I remember walking back to my house, which is about a mile away, and just crying and saying, God, man, they're worshiping in a way that I don't worship. I said, help me to worship you like they're worshiping. And the Lord said, he who's been forgiven much loves much. And I said, Lord, I didn't commit murders like some of these guys. I didn't do this or do that. And God spoke to me. And he said, you need to understand, we've all been forgiven much. Because sin isn't just what you've done, it's what you would do. If you had a chance and you'd get away with it, we're all sinners worthy of eternal damnation. Changed my life. God wants us to walk in a way, amen, that we always have an answer for the devil. We need to answer the devil with the word of God and we need to be on the offensive. And I believe this will help us because uh, when we go through things or we believe in God to enter into things, uh, there's so many needs like at the healing service. The most awesome thing there is is just to walk, see how close, just how we're made to walk with Jesus. Amen. So, uh, to recap, we shared about how the spirit of man and woman is, and the spirit is so much greater than the angels. And that's amazing because the angel spirits are angels of fire. They're spirits of fire, the Bible says in Psalm 104. Then we talked about a Bible identity. And we talked about how God, when he was on the earth, tried to show the apostles and the disciples that they were in a realm that was so different than anyone else. You know, in John in 621, how they were, Peter not only walked on the water, which is amazing, but they were translated in, in an instant from the ship that they were in to the place that they were going to go to. And God did that to show these guys just how close they were to him. When the, the bread and fish were multiplied, Jesus blessed 
the fish and bread and gave it to the disciples. And every time they gave it to, you know, the, the people, more appeared in their hands to give out. Why? God wants us to see that we're in a realm uh, uh, with God that's just, with, uh, I think someone had, Lori had a word last Sunday, you know, that eyes has not seen, ears not heard. All that God has prepared for us. But, you know, it's, it's amazing, but he's revealing it to us. And I think the thing he wants us to know more than anything, and it sounds so simple, but just how close, how intimate, how awesome our relationship is with him. We're literal sons. Jesus is our, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit is our best friend. Just how close. So, uh, Let's look into some things that just help us do that, okay? Go with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. And we're going to look at 33 and 4. We're going to look at this, and then we're going to look how it lends as a segue to entering into looking at transfiguration, which to me is one of the most intimate experiences that Jesus had, you know, with, with Peter, James, and John. So Exodus chapter 33. Moses was a man that had a lot against him. I mean, he didn't have a, his father was gone because he basically, Pharaoh was his father. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh was the father image. I mean, he had a lot of things against him. But he entered into a place that was amazing. And probably what exemplified his relationship with God was two things. One, when they crossed the Red Sea is on dry land. Man, he started to worship and Miriam began to sing and they began to, you know, all of Israel began to just give praise and glory to God. And Moses man, said, my father's God and I will exalt him. Wow. Isn't that amazing? An Old Testament man entering into that revelation. And also it says that God interacted with Moses face-to-face. Face. It's just amazing. All right, so let's look at uh, in Exodus 33, so we don't have to read all of it. The context is that Israel just made the golden calf, and, and God was angry, and he was hurt. And he tells, uh, he says, man, I'm going to destroy this people, make another nation. Moses intercedes. God says, okay, I'm not going to do that. But in verse 2, he says, I'm not going to go with you. He said, I'm going to send an angel before thee. I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Persiite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, under the land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. Wow. Now, see, here's what's interesting. Moses' response was, no. See, it's not about just getting what you need it's about how you get there. The angel would have gave them provision, but the provision, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's financial. I don't care. I don't care what it is, even healing. It's not about, it's about the one who gives the provision. Amen? You know, there's 10 lepers in the Bible. They had leprosy. And nine of them, and, they, out of the ten got healed, 
And they never even came back to give thanks to Jesus. Well, see, they got their provision, but they missed the key to the provision, which was the provider. Amen? But one came back and gave praise. We want to be like that one. So in verse 11, the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face. It's amazing. As a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but the servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he departed not from the temple. That's why Joshua had such an awesome relationship. So Moses, in, in, in chapter uh, 33, 13, says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy ways, that I might know thee more, that I might find grace in thy sight more. And then he, and then he said, Consider that this nation is not people. And he said, my presence will go with thee, and I will give you rest. And Moses said unto him, if your presence did not go with me, man, I'm not going. So Moses, man, cried out to God and said, it's not about just a provision, it's about you. I want to be close to you. When Korah had an uprising and they tried to overthrow Moses and you know, Aaron, you know, he said, Lord, just show these people just how close I am to you. That was his key. So God said, and he said, so he said, I beseech you, verse 18. But he, he says, show me that glory. Mm. Wow. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. So the glory of God in this context is the goodness of God. It's the name of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man. So, man, so the thing Moses wanted most, see, that's why we're talking about this, the glory of God. He wanted to experience just intimacy with God. So in uh, Exodus 34, man, it's so awesome. God puts uh, Moses in the cleft of the rock representing Jesus and he passes over him in 34.6 and proclaim the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, man, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Man. And then he says in verse 10, I will make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. It's an amazing thing I will do. And then in verse 14, God says to Moses, but you shall worship no other God. Tell the people they're to worship no other gods. For the Lord whose name is Jealous, Yahweh Kenna, Q-U-E-N-N-A is a jealous God. What's it mean when God is jealous? It means God has a need to be so close to you that when you put something before him, it affects him. He's not a God of icons and statues. and He's a God who so is made himself needful for our love and obedience. He says, my name is jealous. I'm not telling you due to all these things just to be legalistic. I want you to know that I need you to love me as no one else. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Wow. It just, uh, 
I've shared this before, but again, I'm sharing my heart with you. It was a while ago. I was fasting. I said, God, I'm just fasting. I don't have any specific needs. I think I said, I'm going to fast three days just to get closer to you. Isn't that what it's all about? We come to church to get closer to God. We have relationship one with another so, so we can get closer to one another in, in relationship. We, we, we want to get closer to those even in the world so we can share the gospel. We want to, uh, amen. So I said, God, I just want to get closer to you. And it was one of those things, and I'll be honest with you, in the natural is one of the worst fasts I've ever had. After three days, the only thing I got was hungry. I'm serious. It just seems so bad. I, didn't, I did not sense God. It was like, wow. And then at the end of three days, I put on my religious deal. It's easy to get on to this deal. And I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting me fast, and thank you for being with me. And I'm thinking, that's what I said to him. But I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm so glad this is over. Be honest with you. And I heard the Lord speak this. Well, fast one more day. And I'm thinking, one more day. So I said, all right. And on the fourth day, I just, at the end of the fourth day, I sensed the Lord more. I just flipped my Bible open. And it came across this verse, Exodus 34, 14. It's like it stood up on the page. And God says, I am so needful of your fellowship that it makes me jealous. I, I, it makes it does something to me, not jealous like the world in the sense of selfishness, but it's a, a godly jealousy that says, I just need you to be with me. It changed my life. Wow. Glory to God. It really did. Because a lot of times I'll open up the, Kathy, since she's a young Christian, she's open up the Bible and get all these awesome verses. You know what I'm saying? I'd open up the Bible, get genealogies, seriously. But this time it worked. Amen. All right. So here's what happened in verse 29. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with, with the commandments. I, I mean, it says Aaron and all the children of Israel, verse 30, 34, 30. They saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face, it shone like the sun, and they were afraid to come near him. And Moses called all the, unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and he didn't even realize that his face shone like this. And they asked him to put a veil over their face because it hurt their eyes to look at him. Shh. Jesus. Here's what's awesome. Some things are taught and some things are caught. When we enter in, man, to his presence, sometimes we don't even realize how much closer we're becoming, how much closer we're coming to him, how much, closer, how much we're changing into his image. Now, that's an awesome thing, isn't it? Moses, face to face. I mean, I was crying out, just God help me have that face to face relationship fully. And wow, it's like his face, his face shone with the glory of God. Sometimes 
Man, your head's giving you fits because why didn't this work? Why did this happen? Why did this person do this? Why, this per- why did you do this? Why, why did I do You know, on and on. And Lord, how come this didn't seem to work out? This- and sometimes, now you, you give the word, you, you answer the enemy. You answer your soul with the word. But sometimes you can just say, you know what? Devil, I'm so close with the Father. I don't understand everything. But I just know, because I'm just so close to him, everything's going to be okay. Amen. I, I tell you, that's what God wants. So as I was thinking God yesterday, I, I, he led me here. And then we went to, uh, oh, Jesus, in regards to uh, the transfiguration. Glory to God. The transfer. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 because that's where I went next. 2 Corinthians 3. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, all of us are called to enter in, amen, to an unbelievable intimacy with God. And we need each other. Man, and you get a revelation. I'm not going to get every revelation. I, I need to get it from you. I need to get it from, you know, but together, man, we can encourage one another. When something really neat has happened in your life, man, it can encourage others. And we can and pray for one another. All right. So 2 Corinthians 3, let's start with verse 6. There's so much here. It says, Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. For if the ministration of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, talking about what we just read, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with, how shall not the ministration of the Holy Spirit, that's the new covenant, be so much more glorious? If the ministration of condemnation be glorious, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that supersedes it. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains. Seeing this truth, we are very bold. Not as Moses, who put a veil over his face, and talks about that veil still being there in the context of uh, the, the Jewish people, but that veil is being taken away. Glory to God. But it says this in verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we now all with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, the Amplified says, the word of God being our mirror, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I mean, isn't it amazing that when we look into the word, it's a mirror. Man, it's a mirror of who God is and who he is to you. It's a mirror of who you are. Jesus. Jesus. It's a mirror. The world has so many false mirrors. They try to get us down. Satan presents to us false mirrors. 
Did they ever go like to a carnival or a street fair? A fair and you know they had those false mares. It makes you look like you know ten foot tall and thin, or or you know like eight hundred pounds of. I mean, I, you know it's an illusion, right? And it's like, man, you keep looking at long enough, you're thinking, is that really me? You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? There are so many people in the body of Christ that read Romans 7 so much looking in the mirror thinking that's them when it's not them because that's someone that's unsaved. Then, but that's the only mirror they look into. It's a mirror of deception, of illusion. But man, when you get free, there's a guy that uh, had moved here and now he's moved away to, uh, but man, he, he came here and uh, he led a Bible studies, a leader in his church. And long story short, I, we were getting together for discipleship. And when I shared, I, we just shared about Romans 8 and the, man, the glory of God and the, the Spirit of God in you get under victory and this and that. And man, his life so changed. Why? Because he saw himself through the true mirror of God's Word. Amen. It's exciting when you see the glory of God, when you see who God has made you to be and how close you are to him. You know, the, even the prodigal, he had messed up, hurt God's heart so much. But the picture of somebody who had hurt God, backslid, being embraced by the Father. And when the Father embraced him, I mean, he had been in a pig pen for weeks he smelled horrific, horrendously, he, he, but the Father embraced him. That's a picture of the heart of God. That's a picture, amen? A picture's worth a thousand words. Glory to God. A picture's worth a thousand words. Jesus. Wow. Man, at the pregnancy center that we started you know, years ago, now it's like four of them, and, you know, bottom line is, you know, I always tell counselors when someone's struggling, they, and I said, well, I don't think that, you know, this girl's going to keep the baby. I just said, have her come back and say, just give her a call and say, no manipulation, no pressure. We just want to show you the picture to the sonogram of what's going on right now. So many people that have had abortions, they've been manipulated. They've never been shown the picture. And the girls come in, it's like, it's amazing. Then we have a 52-inch screen. You know, I, mean, I, I just go in, I've gone in there only when the guys are involved. But it's amazing. Five months in the womb. Four, I mean, you get this picture. We get more saves because of that than anything else. But man, see, so many, they've never seen the picture. When you see the picture, it makes all the difference. The Word of God, man, gives you the picture for real. Jesus, hallelujah. And see, then what you see, you enter into. Because 2 Kings 2 teaches what you see, you'll be. Glory to God. And 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give what? The ministry of condemnation? To tell people that, man, they're just filthy, there's no way out. And God's just waiting to mess you up? No. He's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Woo! Man, sometimes we share the gospel in such a wrong way. I get it. We need to, people need to understand they're sinful. They need a savior. But we need to get them to understand 
not just what they're saved from, but what they can enter into. It's the glory of God. You can have a relationship with the one that shed his blood for you. And the love that caused him to shed his blood, glory to God, is the love you can experience daily. You can enter in to the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? We serve a living God. He has a face. He has he speaks to us. He, he sh- Man, you're a witness, a witness of the awesomeness of God. And that's what we share. Amen. All right. Now go with me if you would. But there's so much here. Let's, for time's sake, go with me to uh, Luke chapter 9. We looked at this a little bit last Sunday. We want to look at it much more in depth, okay? Luke chapter 9. Now, Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9 are all accounts of the transfiguration. All of them give different details, and together, amen, we form a picture. But we're going to concentrate on Luke chapter 9 for right now, okay? And let's start with verse 27. But I tell you of a truth, there will be some standing here that shall not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God. Okay? Again, John 3, 3, we say this a lot. Jesus said you must be born again so you can see the kingdom of God. John 3, 5, you must be born again so you can enter into the kingdom of God. You can't enter into what you don't see. Amen? Man, when we see, man, the the closeness, it's, it's so amazing. Glory to God. Okay, so it came to pass about... Uh, about eight days after these sayings, that Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up to a mountain to pray. I think it's important to notice that Jesus initiated this. Amen? It was in the heart of God. Because the Bible says when you see Jesus, you see the Father. It's in the heart of God. To show you what the kingdom of God is really about. To show you what our relationship really entails. It's in his heart. We don't have to beg him for it. We have to simply say, God, I'm here to enter in, to to let you show me. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's an Old and New Testament. Honestly, it's like the... You know, if somebody, maybe they're 95 years old and they, they die and they just have a whole lot of things and you get a letter that, you know, you're going to go to the reading of the will that uh, there's been things left to you and this person's life says your great aunt Jane, maybe you don't even know you had. And you go to the reading of the will and it's like, wow. And you hear the first person's given $100,000. And she's your cousin. You're like, wow, you're excited, right? You're like, whoa, what am I going to get? Especially if, if you happen to be close with her. If you were close with her. You know it's her heart. And legacy and love to give you what she sowed to. You don't deserve it because she's the one that sowed to it. And you're there and you're waiting and, and, you know, and then, wow, she says, you know, you, you get it. 
Well, you know, you're, you're given this and you're given this. That's how we need to enter into the word. Jesus died to give us an inheritance we don't deserve. But he's so awesome. Okay? He's just so awesome. And the thing he gives us most, amen, is his love. So he initiated it. Then verse 29 said, as he prayed. Well, first of all, they went up to a high mountain to pray. Some people don't enter in because they don't lack work. They went up to a high mountain to pray. You know, that was a hike. He just didn't say, come over to the house. They went up to a high mountain to pray. What? Because there's a lot of people that don't want to pay a price, unfortunately. Man. You know, I, I, sure, you know, I got saved in the early 70s. You know, it was when the hippie movement was here. You know, Jim Smalling, you think you got saved then. You know, different, you know, when I got saved, nobody would read the book of Job because they thought it was the book of Job. You know what I'm saying? Anything. I mean, everybody was just, I mean, it wasn't like, a lot of people were there today. But as he, so they went up to high mountain, as he prayed, See, Jesus is letting them see what happened, glory to God, when he and the Father interacted in intimacy. He wanted them to see what it's like to be so close to the Father. What it really is like to pray. Prayer isn't some laundry list of wants, I want this, I want this, I want this. Like little kids with Santa Claus. Man, he's saying, here's here's what happens. Prayer is interacting with God in intimacy. And out of prayer, you enter in to having faith. Yes, prayer comes through the word of God, but believe me, prayer comes when you're in the, faith comes when you're in the presence of God as well. So he's, as he prays, Matthew 17 says, his face lit up like the noonday sun. Wow. The heart of the Father was just lavished on Jesus. The glory within the Father was just lavished on him. Now here's where you get into trouble with a lot of Christians because you know, obviously this is Jesus and the Father. But God's telling, I believe Jesus is showing Peter, James, and John, he wants them to understand what relationship with God is. Someone says, you're not even thinking, you're not even thinking about saying that even some degree of this can be realized in our lives. Yes, I am. Because the Bible says the kingdom of God has come and right before this, Jesus said, well, I'll show you the kingdom. There's so much more to enter into with Jesus. So much more. I really believe that, you know, this church is many are to show us what we can enter into. We can't do the works for, of God unless we enter into intimacy with God. Daniel 11 says, those who know that God shall do exploits. Am I, you know, am I saying we're going to get lit up like this, like Jesus? No, I'm, not necessarily, but what I'm saying is 
It's beyond what God wants to be intimate with us more than we could ever dream. So these guys, he begins to pray and this happens. Wow. As we read down, we'll see when, when the glory came, it knocked these guys out. They saw it and it knocked them out. People always ask me, do you have scriptural evidence for falling under the power of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Ezekiel. Read this. Since they fell down, they, the, the glory came and they, they saw it. Because Peter, and, and first Peter, second Peter, he shares up seeing it. And then these guys were just, they were just out. Shh. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And it says, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. Now here's Jesus. Moses and Elijah appear. Now, and some people say that they'll be the two witnesses and talk about Revelation. Other people have different opinions. Well, maybe they will. There's a lot here. Hmm. Someone says that Moses, you know, the Bible says Moses never entered, never, he looked at the promise they had never entered into in his lifetime. But guess what? He entered into the promised land here. Glory to God. Jesus. Guys, think of this. Moses was, that, Moses was a guy just like us. I mean, he messed up over and over again. Man, he even killed a man. Backside of the desert for 40 years running. Man. Elijah was a man like us. The Bible says that in the book of James, chapter 5. A man of like passions like us. I mean, both of these guys did amazing things because of Jesus, because of God. But they were no different than us. Elijah ran from Jezebel. Wow. Why? They were human, like us. Messed up different times. Just like the apostles messed up. Just like we mess up. But you know, in John 17, Jesus said, talking about the apostles, Father, thank you for the men you've given me. I've been glorified in them. Isn't it awesome? Just because we mess up, that doesn't define us. Our hearts define us. And these 11 men, excluding Judas, man, they had a heart after Jesus. Most of them died for him. So Elijah and Moses are here. Wow. Wow. We could get into a lot of stuff. Book of Jude, you know, you know Satan disputed the ability of Moses to come because he was supposed to be in paradise and that whole deal. But the bottom line is this. It says they appeared in glory. In the next verse. These men. Wow. They're talking with Jesus. Just like you and I are talking. Face to face. I wonder if they're talking face to face. Because Moses so did that during his life. Face to face. Elijah's soul to intimacy. What I'm trying to, I believe what God's trying to get across to us is our ability to be close with God himself. 
is our bread. We can't enter into it. As a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in her heart, so are they. Here's, here's the kicker to me, all right? They appeared in glory, and to me, the more we enter into the glory of God, the more we're going to be able to enter into God being with him because he's glorious. The more we become spirit, we, of course, we are spirit, but our, the more our flesh is out of the way and we just walk in the spirit, the closer we're going to interact with God. Glory to glory. They appeared in glory. They spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. When I first read this, it just blew me away. Here's God Almighty. Obviously, he's in human form, Jesus. He's going to enter in. If I start to cry, I'll tell you, this is, see, to me, It's all about relationship. It's all about the degree of relationship that we can have with the Father, with the Lord Jesus, with Holy Spirit. So, he talks to these guys. I mean, you have to ask yourself the question, why does he call these guys, Peter, James, and John, to enter into transfiguration, seeing it? I think it's because he really wanted them to understand their closeness to God. That this is a realm that they can enter into. Just like when Jesus, you know, he spoke to, you know, the, the, the little girl, Talitha Kumai. Little girl, I say to you, rise, she arose. You know, when Peter was a Dorcas, he did the exact same thing Jesus did. He said, Dorcas, I say unto you, arise. The exact same thing Jesus did is the exact same thing Peter did because Peter entered into seeing that the Jesus that died was now in him. He could do those works. Wow. Exactly the same. But here's these two guys. He's talking to them about his death. I mean, he's going to become sin. He's going to enter into being whipped beyond recognition. That's what he's talking to them about. He's talking about his decease. And he's talking to them about his upcoming sufferings. Wow. Why do you think he was? You know, when I first read it, I said, Lord, I can understand you talking to Father about this. Because he's the only one that knows to the degree of what you're going to go through. I can understand that. But you're talking to these guys. And I certainly don't know everything. But it seemed, the Lord just spoke to me and said, but you see, these are men that had intimacy with him. Just like Enoch, the seventh from Adam. He was translated. Why? Because he was so close to God. He was a friend of God. These guys were two of the closest. They had 
such a close relationship with Jesus. Moses had such a close relationship with the Father. Elijah translated time after time. Such a close relationship. Is it possible that he had this experience and these guys manifested so he could just share his heart with them? Because he could look at these two men that represented mankind. That he was so close to and just wanted to be with them. Wow. He wants to be with us so close. He wants to share with us of his heart. He wants to share with us of destiny. He wants us to share so we can share with others that they can have that intimacy. Wow. Glory to Jesus. Verse 32, Peter and they that were with them were heavy with sleep because they went under the power of the Spirit after seeing his glory. And when they were awakened, they again saw his glory in the two men that were with him. Peter just, you know, he's flabbergasted, didn't know what to do, says, not knowing what to say, the Bible says in verse 33, it says, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, Elijah. And while he was speaking, there came a cloud. It was a God cloud. Overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. Wow. Mm. And there came a voice out of the cloud, and Peter accentuates this reality in his account of this experience. There came a voice out of the cloud. Peter says it was unlike anything you've ever heard. Shh. And the father speaks audibly and says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, why are we sharing this? Because this account is a mirror of we are now. Moses and Elijah were so close to Jesus. But Guess what, guys? So are you. So am I. In fact, we're under a better covenant. These men weren't born again. We have a spirit of glory. We have a spirit of glory. I'm going to say that again. These guys... Moses, I mean, the Mosaic Covenant. I mean, amazing man. But these guys, I mean, Jesus, such a closeness with these men. But if you get anything today, through the blood of Jesus Christ, 
to the grace of God, not because of our works. We're just as close. In fact, perhaps in one way closer, because 2 Corinthians 3 said, we have a greater confidence. We speak even more boldly having a born-again spirit, which not only enables God to be with us, but to be in us. I look at this, honestly, and I'm amazed at the intimacy between, the, between Jesus and these men, sharing his deepest thoughts and needs with these men. But you know, he... That's what he wants to do with us. It's not just about when you hear him say, don't do this. It's seeing his heart of saying, don't do this because it takes away intimacy from us. If you just hear, don't do this, you know what? You're going to enter into a religious spirit. But if you hear, don't do this because God says, it'll take away from our closeness. Now you're, now you're walking and I'm walking a totally different paradigm. If God says do this, and maybe it's challenging, he says, you know, go down here and share with this uh, family and you know that they rejected you before and it's hard. But you don't hear just, don't, you don't just hear go do this. You, you see it. It's because God has a need for you to share. And he's saying, you know what? I shed my blood to be with you. I live for you. I'm your intercessor. I'm your mediator. Can you do this for me? See, it's about relationship. It's so different, amen, than from religion. So they entered in to this reality. So, practically, let's look at a few things before we close. There's an environment that God wants us to walk in, the environment of the kingdom of God. It's an environment that God wants just between you and the Lord, in your house with your family. It's an environment that he wants in every church in America. It's an environment that can, you can take with you wherever you go. You might be walking in an area that, man, there's crime, there's all kind of crazy stuff, or work in a place where there's, man, evil all around you, or, or you're just, man, God's having you minister to difficult situations. Or there can be challenges in the church. There can be challenges everywhere in your family. But there's an environment of oneness, of being so close with the Father. It's like, it's an environment of glory. Zechariah 2.5, glory within, fire without. The glory of knowing him, fire without. That glory inside translates into 
the fire of protection, the fire of favor, the fire of victory. So we walk in the spirit of transfiguration, the spirit of oneness. We walk in the spirit, man, of such intimacy with God. And out of this we live. Amen. And this is what Satan hates. And so what Tro tried to get you out of? Well, if you're so close with God, then how could you do something dumb? If you're so close with God, how come this didn't happen yet? If you're so close with God, why did this happen? If you're so close with God, why, why, why? I'm not going to listen to the why, why, why. I'm just going to stay close to Jesus. Amen? Because sometimes my head can't figure out the whys, but my heart can enter in to saying, you know what? I don't know why this happened or this didn't happen yet or whatever, but I know this. The intimacy with Jesus is so amazing. Like that song we say, oh, he satisfies me. He, he loves me. He ministers to me in a way that no one else can. And I'm going to live to cultivate this, to grow in this, and see, this is seeking first the kingdom of God. Didn't we start out by saying, Jesus said, I'm going to show you the kingdom? To me, this is seeking first the kingdom of God. When it's not about us, Lord, what I get that flat tire in the way to, you know, go to seeing this person? We can either say, ah, I can't believe that happened to me. Lord, why'd you let it happen? We can say, Lord, it's an opportunity just to give you a sacrifice of praise. I don't know what happened. Maybe because it's my fault by not doing something right with my tire. Maybe it's attacking anybody. I don't know. But see, well, this is seeking first the kingdom of God. And what happens, Matthew 6, 33, when you seek first the kingdom of God? Everything else is added to you. But if you seek all those things that you want added to you, before you see the heart of the king, then those things you want added to you will not happen. It's like putting the cart before the horse. It's not going to work. Thank God it doesn't. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom? It's many things. Always you know it's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. But the kingdom of God... It's being able to see the heart of the king in a way that nobody, nobody that's not born again can see. And being so enthralled with the heart of the king. Man. That all is well even in the midst of challenge. And we get so excited and expectant because we know our God intimately. That, yeah, we'll do the works of God. Because see, when you seek the heart of the king before anything, that's when he can trust you. When it's about you, and it's about me before the heart of the king, when you seek his heart first, the kingdom of God, that's when he can trust you. When he can trust you, he'll entrust you. I, I believe he can trust us here. 
I believe there's a vision in this church because I believe he can. But we're all growing, amen? We're all growing. But aren't you glad that we grow glory to glory and faith to faith, using, amen, entering in and walking by faith through the glory. But it's an amazing thing. Can you stand with me? I, I tell you, Lord Jesus Lord Jesus we just give you praise and worship Lord because there's no one like you Father thank you for calling us not just a blessing in the context of wholeness and that's amazing but thank you for calling us to yourself. That even in the midst of challenge and trial, the greatest joy of our life is ministering to your heart. And we do thank you that you want to bless us beyond what we can even conceive. If someone's listening to my voice now and you're saying, I want this, I want this. Just say, Jesus, right now, forgive me of my sin. My greatest sin is looking to someone else for my satisfaction in life rather than to you. Lord, forgive me. I want you. Forgive me. Come into my life in Jesus' name. If you just said that, there's a number on your screen that will help you. We'll send you free of charge material to help you. And for those of us here today, man, my prayer is that we get so consumed with the awesomeness of God. The things of the flesh will fall away and the heart of God will put everything into context that would see life as a privilege to get closer and closer to Him. Closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to Him. Isn't that what life's about? Or can confess this and then, John, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray and then, Clint, can you come up and pray after him and close us through that? Can you just confess this with me? Say, God Almighty,